You know, there's so many more things he does than just score. But defensively, he played got a lot of different guys, did really well. You need games like that from your best guys like Chris. So it's a hell of an effort by him. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Last Saturday, one of my favorite days in a long, long time. I woke up, I came into work for an hour, got some things done, and I got set up for the week. Felt good, felt accomplished. On my way home, I stopped to the store, and then I came home. And then I did not leave my home, I don't know, noon until I went to bed. I was inside all day, it was great. I made a nice stew, I spent an hour or so chopping vegetables, seasoning vegetables. Uh, I sat on the couch, uh, watched some clips from River Monsters, watched a little college basketball. I repotted all my plants. It was great. Last Saturday, I hardly did anything at all. It was one of my favorite days in a long time. Sometimes less is more. Uh, sometimes sometimes less is better. This week is just, there's so much sports news, and that's great. It gives us a lot to talk about, but sometimes it's too much at once. Like, I got, all, I got everything planned. I got everything lined up. I want to talk a little bit about baseball. A little bit about the Packers. We're going to have Ebo on tonight. I got everything lined up. And then in the hour before the show, in the last 45, 50 minutes, Joe Buck's headed to ESPN and Deshaun Watson is going to face no criminal charges. It's like, oh, okay, just so keep the news coming in. Deshaun Watson will probably get traded before the end of the show tonight. I don't want to deal with Deshaun Watson. I don't want to talk about Deshaun Watson today. I want to talk about baseball and I want to talk about the Packers and have fun. It's Friday. Stop serious breaking news right before the show. Less is more sometimes. We've had a lot this week. We don't need we don't need this much. Save some of this news for the summer when nothing else is going on. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Oh, yeah, and I forgot the Badgers play in less than an hour and a half. So I have to do that awkward thing where I try to watch something with one eye and then do the show with the other eye and somehow talk about it. Great. Awesome. And happy Friday. I hope your week is... Wrapping up nicely. I'm glad you're here. We are going to talk to Ebo in about a half hour. I just want to talk some Badgers. Conference tournaments are this weekend. Badgers play, like I said, in a little bit over an hour. We hope that they play deep into the weekend, deep into the Big Ten tournament. Illinois lost today, which is objectively hilarious. (laughs) Next will be Purdue. Matt Painter loves losing big games. I love fading Matt Painter this time of year. So we're going to talk to Ebo about that. Talking about the Badgers. And also, Ebo went to a concert last week, and I want to take like four minutes to ask him about it because we had one concert review from Perry Goldstein earlier this week. So what the heck? We can stick with that. I want to hear about Ebo, who saw Billy Strings in Madison. I want to hear about that. He'll join us in about a half hour. In the second half of the show, after 5 o'clock, I have a couple of Packers things. I really feel as though today was the first day that I really wrapped my mind around the Russell Wilson trade, Aaron Rodgers staying, Carson Wentz leaving, and kind of how they're all connected, right? When we look at Russell Wilson being traded, Aaron Rodgers staying, and Carson Wentz being dealt, we look at them as a trio, and we kind of bundle them together and say, okay, well, what did we learn this week? How did we get smarter as football fans? Did any of this set a new precedent? Is the league moving forward, or is this something we've seen a million times, right? I I think I finally have a grasp for that. Uh, It just took me a couple of days. So we're going to do that in the second half of the show. I also want to look back at the 2020 draft, Andy Herman and I talked about it for a moment yesterday. Just scratch the surface. I want to take a deeper dive into that draft and really how it kind of established things for the Packers the last couple of years. But I want to start with baseball. 
and you're more than welcome, nay, encouraged to join me, 608-796-2558. Send me a text or give me a call. You can follow me on Twitter, and you should follow me on Twitter, uh, my age group. We just, we crave it. Um, I stay up at night thinking about my follower count, so please, if you would, uh, follow me on Twitter and tweet me during the show, at Wisco Grant. Okay. Baseball. I got caught with my pants down a little bit yesterday. I did not expect baseball to strike an agreement. I, I didn't. I didn't think that this was coming. For a week, I watched people get their hopes up on Twitter. Oh, we could have a deal today. Ooh, if nothing goes wrong, come on, let's have a deal. And I'm like, no, it ain't happening. It's not happening. I wasn't getting my hopes up. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to play the game. I wasn't going to be naive, and I wasn't going to let myself be let down when ultimately negotiations fell apart. And and we've seen the this playbook from the players and owners for the last week or so where everything would be going great, a lot of optimism, a lot of progress, right? Sides are coming closer. And then just when you thought there might be a deal, the owners were like, well... Well, uh, we know this thing though that we're gonna let the, we're gonna let things fall apart because of this the international draft or pre-arbitration or some, some random thing that no one really cares about. But as soon as we got close to a deal, as soon as the players and the league came close, the league would be like, "Well, but we can't do the deal because we're too far apart on this." It's like, well, why are we why are we doing this? Why do we keep getting close? And then the league just happens to have something in their back pocket that prevents it from happening, right? And it looked like that might be the case yesterday with the international draft. Didn't turn out to be the case. This is the second lockout we've experienced in three years. Kind of. Kind of. I guess. The first was COVID-induced. So that wasn't a lockout, I guess, related to the CBA. It wasn't even a lockout. It was just a work stoppage. Actually, just kind of a failure to return to work, I guess. Like I guess basically baseball was trying to get the players to come back to the office. And, and come back to the, the job site. And the players are like, well, we need some things first. So we went through this in the summer of 2020, spring and summer of 2020. And then we went through it again for that 99-day lockout, which wrapped up yesterday. So we've had two of these in three years. And the 2020 one's a little different. Although Major League Baseball and the Players Association were probably just looking for an excuse to go at it in 2020. It's like, oh, there's a pandemic. All right, let's go. Gloves off. Let's fight over money and let's fight over this. They're, the Players Association and the league... I like that. They're like that couple in your friend group. Every friend group has at least one of these couples where they're really fun to be around until there's a drop of alcohol involved. And then they just find things to fight about. You know, that couple where you're going out, you're having a great time. And then you get two drinks in and this couple, they're at each other. And why? I don't know. Cause some weird thing that no one cares about. Like they invent ways to get mad and invent things to fight about. It's like, uh, why did you look at her like that when she walked by, right? Why do you have your phone face down on the table instead of face up? It's like these aren't even things. Why are you fighting about these things? But some couples, they just love to look for things to fight about, right? Major League Baseball and the Players Association are basically that couple that invents reasons to fight when they have even a drop of alcohol. And in 2020, that drop of alcohol was a pandemic. And they're like, all right, let's go. It makes me laugh a little bit when we compare the 2020 work stoppage to this 99-day lockout we just wrapped up yesterday. Way different fan reaction. And I handled it way differently on the show. In 2020, there was nothing going on. The NBA was shut down. We were obviously in the offseason of the NFL and NHL. Did the NHL shut down or did they come back? Is it bad that I don't even remember what happened to the NHL in 2020? I don't watch hockey, so I don't feel bad, but sorry if I'm misremembering. I'm pretty sure they probably shut down like the NBA did and then came back some form or fashion, whatever. Nothing was going on. 
and baseball was supposed to be playing. And we followed along every day like a soap opera. We couldn't miss an episode. We're like, well, I'm pro player, but hey, the owners are making some good points too. We got to look at both sides. Uh, the players want uh, 800000 for this, and the owners say 600000 Maybe they'll meet in the middle at 7, check back tomorrow, see what progress they've made. Well, the owners want to cut 20 rounds out of the draft, and the players want more of this. Let's see if they can compromise. And it was every day Jeff Passan would put out a thing outlining where this side is on that and this side is on this. And It was every day. But we had nothing else to do except talk about NASCAR or Korean baseball. So we followed it every day. Like it was the bachelor. Oh, they're coming closer on this number and then this and that. Maybe we did it begrudgingly, but we followed it every single day. I was reading, 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 trying to update you on this number, this figure, this piece of data, whatever. We were locked in. Well, that was 2020, right? It's 2022 from day one of this lockout. The first day we were over it. We're like, no, I don't have time for this. Rob Manford, you're an idiot. The owners are greedy. Players, maybe you're doing the right thing, but screw you guys too. We're just, we're over this. We weren't necessarily against the players, but during this lockout, we didn't really take time to defend them or really care what they were after. I'm like, we're over it. I'm over it. Two million, two thousand, two dollars. I don't care. Just call me when it's done. Or to actually, or don't. Don't call me when it's done. I'll be watching basketball. And the NFL, as we've seen over the last three days, it can carry a lot of water in the offseason. Produce a lot of content, create a lot of headlines. We'll be okay. Now, I look forward to having baseball, but I'm not doing this. I'm not following every little detail and every little breadcrumb in this trail between the Players Association and Tony Clark and Rob Manfred. Just call me when it's done. In the meantime, you guys go stand in the corner. Don't annoy me. Right? Now, yesterday, we came to a deal. We're going to get baseball back. We're not going to miss any games. It's great. I don't want to do a deep dive in all the data, the numbers, the figures. I don't really care. I said last week that whenever this lockout was over, us fans were not going to celebrate the players for the great advances they made. We're just going to celebrate the fact that baseball's back on our TV. And I still believe that, right? We celebrated as fans yesterday because we started to think about Bob Uecker being on our radio and Brian Anderson and Matt LaPay and Jeff Levering and, oh, Sophia Menard, and it's going to be, oh, and Craig Council's back at the ballpark, and we'll have something on TV to watch on Sunday afternoons when we get home with our families from church or from shopping or whatever. That's why we were happy. That's why we were celebrating. I did not run around my office building yesterday high-fiving everyone saying, man, the players took great strides advancing Baseball working conditions for younger players for years to come. High five, Tony. Yeah, what a great day. No, I don't care. That's for the players. I'm a fan. I just want the game back. Now, the players did notch some nice wins. I tried my best to read about it and absorbed because I want to know what this was all about, right? I don't really care about the numbers and the figures and the salaries and, and all the little details like I did two years ago, but we just had a 99-day lockout and a work stoppage. I'd like to at least appreciate what progress was made. The players did pretty well. Increase in the collective or the uh, competitive balance tax, increase in minimum salary, $250 million in new money to the pre-arbitration bonus pool. So if players are too young to reach arbitration, but really, really performing, they're going to have access to more money, money that they've earned. Right? Like Juan Soto's 21. He might be the best player in baseball or one of the best players in baseball. But until he accrues enough service time to reach arbitration, he can't really be paid for it unless 
has represented in this new CBA, there's a bunch of money in this pre-arbitration bonus pool. Not a bad haul for the Players Association and the players. Now, I was reading Evan Drellich today in The Athletic, and I think he did a really good job outlining it. Well, he explained it very well to me. It's not like I'm reading Evan Drellich and being like, he didn't explain this very well. Like, no, I, I don't know. Like, what he's telling me is how I'm absorbing this information. And I thought, if you're looking for someone to read, I think Drellich has been really good since the beginning. And if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can read him. Point that he made today that I really appreciated. The vote ended up from the players being 26 and 12 in favor. So there's a majority of people that voted for, but there was also not an insignificant number of player representatives that voted no. 26 to 12, yeah, that's a resounding win, but it wasn't unanimous. It wasn't even close to unanimous. I think some in the Players Association felt they could have pushed for more, that they could have done even better uh, in a competitive balance tax or increased minimum salary further or cut down service time to reach arbitration. There, there was maybe more meat on the bone for the players to get. Maybe. Or maybe the owners just would have stalled and stalled and stalled. And if the lockout would have gone another month, the players eventually would have said yes and really gotten the same deal that they got yesterday. I, 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 don't, I don't know. But those 12 votes against this new CBA would signify that there were those in the Players Association representation and those casting votes that said, we, we could have done more. We could have gone further. However, I think when games are missed, you reach a point of diminishing returns, right? Earlier arbitration doesn't help the players if a season is only 40 games long and no one comes because they've been pissed off to such a degree over the lockout that they're no longer interested, right? Higher spending floors won't help if baseball doesn't make any money and if the sport doesn't continue to grow. Right. Well, they must spend a percentage of the money. Well, if the total pool of money is low, it doesn't matter what percentage they have to spend in a minimum spending floor because the sport will have been damaged. It will have been lowered. Fans won't care. They won't spend as much. So you can try to get more and more and more and more. But the more games you miss and the further the sport is damaged, you reach a point of diminishing returns. There had to come a point on the graph where one line intersects with the other, where you maximize the wins that you can get in the new CBA without further damaging the sport. That's where the lines intersect. And I think the players and the league give the league credit enough for ending this lockout when they did. I think they worked together to, to kind of nail this point. There had to come a point where you make enough gains while you also preserve the season. And I think they struck a nice balance. I think. Right? The lockout was really annoying, but the league's basically going to start on time and we're going to get all of our games. So I think that's a win, right? I think they weirdly might have wrapped this up in a way that is beneficial for both sides. And Rob Manford talked a little bit about that yesterday. We're going to hear from Rob Manford next. I saved a couple of sound bites. They're all very short uh, to the point, which I appreciated. Get some interesting comments about this and that and an apology to the fans. Interesting. <laughs> Because it was all about the fans all along, remember? As Rob Manford has said during this lockout a couple of times. Let's talk more about baseball coming up, and then we're going to chat with Ebo at 430-608-796-2558. Send me a text or tweet me at Wisco Grant with your thoughts on baseball coming back, the new CBA, the strides that the players have made, maybe the concessions that the owners made. We'll talk more about this before chatting with Ebo. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Burt Show. Ebo's going to join us in 10 minutes or so. The Zone in Madison. Talk a little Badgers, what the atmosphere is like in Madison. It's got to be bumping for March Madness. I've never been in Madison for March Madness when the Badgers were trying to go on a run. Maybe one day. I'd go this weekend, but in this economy, oh, no way. I got a half a tank, and I only live a mile or so from work. Oh, I can I can make that tank last a long time. But if I start blasting over to Madison, no, 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 no. No. Comes out of beer money. I refuse to spend beer money to drive to Madison. Not in this economy. <laughs> My name is Grant Bills. You can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Follow me there. Tweet me during the show. 608-796-2558. Dan, this is the best thing I've read today. Says Tony Snell of the 2018-19 Bucks still hasn't missed a free throw since being traded, along with first-round draft pick Michael Porter Jr. for former Badger John Luer. The same John Luer the Bucks drafted in the second round of the 2011 draft. John Luer would never play in the NBA again after this trade. Porter and Snell have averaged a combined 20 and a half points per year. That is your Wisco Sports Show stat of the day. <laughs> That's why the NBA is nuts. It's all about salary, right? When you're trading a guy like Tony Snell, sometimes it's not even about the player. It's an asset. It's about dollars and cents. It's not always about free throw percentage or scoring. And that's evidenced in NBA trades all the time. Thank you, Dan, for that. We're talking about baseball a little bit before we get to Badgers. And I want to do a lot of Packers in the second half of the show. Some things that I've been stewing on, thinking about all week. And this morning just started to crystallize my head. Specifically, Russell Wilson getting traded, Aaron Rodgers not getting traded, and Carson Wentz getting traded. I think you can connect all three of these guys and learn something about the NFL at large, right? When you factor all three of those guys at once. And I've been thinking about it for a couple of days and I'm I'm finally starting to understand and learn. And I think become a little smarter about the quarterback market in the NFL, at least in 2022. Rob Manfred spoke to the media yesterday. I thought some of these comments were, if you take them to be sincere, actually pretty on the nose, uh, or if you think he's full of it, then, I mean, you just screw Rob Manford. This is what he started with. I have to say, I am genuinely thrilled to be able to say that Major League Baseball's back and we're going to play 162 games. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm glad he said it. <laughs> Does he mean it? I, I don't know. I think the owners would have liked to miss April. I don't know that they wanted to play a full 162 games. Um, but I think baseball's been taking such a PR hit Maybe Rob Manfred and the owners and the players, too, all in their own circles started to say, you know, um, you know, this is great and all. We're fighting the good fight, but it's not going to matter if if we don't have fans to come back to when this is all said and done. It doesn't really matter what we win in this new CBA. Maybe we should wrap this up sooner rather than later. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not, maybe not. Uh, But that was something I was thinking about yesterday. I wonder how much outside pressure contributed to this decision kind of coming to a head yesterday. Rob Manfred then continues. I do want to start by apologizing to our fans. I know that the last few months have been difficult. There was a lot of uncertainty um, at a point in time when there's a lot of uncertainty in the world. Um, Sort of the way the process of collective bargaining works sometimes, but I, I, I do apologize for it. I'm not against a lockout or a work stoppage to better the sport. 
this happens every once in a while. I think last week I, I pointed this out. It might have even been earlier this week. With everything that's going on, I've completely lost track of time and what day it is and what happened when. But within the last 10 days or so, we talked about, hey, the NFL did this in 2011. The NBA did this in 2011. They stopped work. There was a lockout. Now, the NBA missed some games. I don't think the NFL did. Maybe they missed some preseason games. It's over 10 years ago now. There are work stoppages over new collective bargaining agreements. And sometimes they're a little uglier. Sometimes they're rather routine, but they do happen. I'm not opposed to baseball owners and players going at it and hashing through terms and working through details to better the sport. What bothered me about this is they didn't really seem to have any interest in resolving this until last week. And I guess I don't really know why, because they didn't end up canceling games. I thought the motivation for dragging this out was to get games canceled, but they didn't even cancel any games. So why didn't you just do this in January? You could have had good pub. We all could have gone to spring training and watched some games, and you would have saved everyone a big annoyance. Unless, of course, you were just trying to get baseball's name out there. Any pub is good pub, I guess. Even bad pub, maybe that's a strategy. I think we had someone throw up that theory yesterday with the text. I don't remember who it was. Anyways, Rob Manfred, I actually liked this admission. One of the things that I'm supposed to do is um, promote a good relationship with our players. Um, I've tried to do that. Um, I think that uh, I have not been successful in that. Um, I think that it begins with small steps. It's why I picked the phone up um, after the ratification and called Tony and expressed my desire to work with him. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a priority of mine moving forward to, to, to try to make good on the commitment that I made to him on the phone. Uh, it's just words. Actions. Actions speak a lot louder than words. I don't, I don't know. Is Rob Manfred hated so much and disrespected so much by players that this relationship is always going to be bad when he's in charge. I don't even know if it's the CBA thing that leads players to dislike him. When I've read quotes from players regarding Rob Manfred, they always reference calling the World Series trophy a piece of metal. That was such an L. Why did he do that? I I know it sounds like a small thing, but it's not. That leads players to believe that he doesn't really care about the sport. It would be like if my boss when talking about my job and my show called my radio show, like, oh, that dumb show you do in the afternoon, that insignificant thing. And maybe it is dumb and insignificant. And it is just a piece of metal technically, but we build it up to be something more. That's why we love sports because we believe that World Series trophy to mean something and we feel something. We get a reaction from it. And when you downplay how important that is, it's like, well, dude, do you even care? Do you understand why we love the game and why we feel the way we do about that piece of metal? That comment was... So damaging. I think more damaging with how he's viewed by players than even we sometimes think. And then just gutting minor league clubs to save pennies on the dollar. They they cut so many minor league clubs in the summer of 2020 to save less than $2 million per club. These guys are billionaires. Why do they need to save less than $2, billion, $2 million? That stuff hurts Rob Manfred and the owners in the players' eyes. Fighting through a CBA like this, I don't I don't know if players think less of Rob Manfred because of this lockout. I think it's frustrating, but they, like Rob Manfred, understand that sometimes labor talks are tough. I don't know if that relationship with the players and with Tony Clark and the Players Association, I, I don't know if it's beyond repair, but it's got to be close. But at least Rob Manfred admits, like, yeah, I got to be better. He talks about collective bargaining and how it works. Rob Manfred continues. One of the good things 
about collective bargaining is that it gives our players an opportunity uh, to have input on what their workplace and the game is going to look like going forward. And they took full opportunity um, to provide that input during these negotiations. Um, our players are great, great athletes. Um, I respect them, and I respect the input that we received from them during this process, and we really did learn a lot. One of the things... Well, that's good. Did learn a lot. Is there is there much of a disconnect? We learned a lot. Like, oh, do they want the shift? Do they want the DH? Especially... To quote Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers wanted input on things that impact his job, right? Finances are one thing that need to be hashed out between the players and the owners, but especially things that impact the player's job, pitch clock, the shift, the DH. I want to hear from them even more on those issues. Not that I don't care about their thoughts on finances, but especially the way the game is played. And I hope that the players' voices were especially weighted uh, in, in structural changes, potential changes or tweaks to the way the game is actually played, which bigger bases... Uh, pitch clock and the shift and the DH. I hope it was players that were really pushing for some of those things. I hope. I hope that's where their voice was factored with the most weight. Let's take a break. I want to talk Badgers, and I just want to chat with Ebo, good buddy of the show. The Zone in Madison, you hear him 6 to 10 with Rowdy and RJ. The show is over the line. We will speak with him coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, happy Friday. Thanks for being here. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Of course, there was breaking news in the hour leading up to the show. Deshaun Watson is cleared of all charges. So I guess he's just, he's good, I think. Teams can trade for him or he can come back and play for Houston, I guess. But I feel like he probably still wants to be traded. And then also in the last two hours or so, Joe Buck headed to ESPN for a deal five years between 60 and 75 million. Reported by the New York Post. I actually think that was pretty similar to the last contract of Ebo. Is that right, Ebo? Five years, 60 to 75 million, somewhere around there? It sounds a little light, but the numbers are close. Yes, the numbers are close. I was more in the range of four. I was more in the range of four years, two hundred billion. Well, yeah, and and you have a lot of perks, and you can't put a, a number on that. You know, the company car and the best parking spot and the vacation home and all that stuff. Well, someone just a new person started in her um, at work for another our sister station, Q one hundred six, and she's taking my spot now. That's, I'm a little perturbed. Like I, I that was written in my contract. Like that's my spot. This new <laughs> lady comes and starts taking my spot. It's nice like, that you guys get parking spots. I get, a, me, I get a ticket or two every week because downtown lacrosse is not. She called me Ebu. She called me Ebu <laughs> today, too. Ebu. I'm like, who are you? You take my spot, you call me the wrong name. Who's this lady? Well, every time every time Dave texts or tweets about you, it's always Ibo because I think his speech to text always switches it to Ibo, which makes me laugh. So your coworker Same. is not alone. <laughs> Do you think Joe Buck? I think Joe Buck is by far the best football play-by-play guy. Where do you stand on that? Because I I tweeted about it, and I'm just the replies are intriguing to me. What people think? I think he's the best. Well, Grant, I think you've known this about me for a while now. Like when everyone's going one way, I kind of like to go the other. And oh, yeah. There's so many people that just hate Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck's great at what he does. The guy overcame hair plug addiction, Grant. He almost <laughs> killed himself. With hair plugs. What a success story from rigs to riches. So, yeah, I think Joe Buck is great at what he does. There's a reason why he's getting so much money. And 
I'll be honest too. I don't mind Troy Aikman with them. So I was, I don't mind the banter between the two. I, I like how Troy Aikman kind of has got a little grudge against the Packers. Mm-hmm. Joe Buck doesn't. He's like, that's why Joe Buck's in all the big games. It's because he's good at what he does. So yeah, I do like Joe Buck. Well, and I think Packers fans were, were a little jaded because the Packers win all regular season and we get, you know, the Kevin or uh, what's his name? Not Kevin Harlan, but Kevin Burkhart and the Greg Olsons of the world. And they're calling these games as we're beating the, you know, the, pulp out of the bears and then we get to the playoffs and we lose oh and who's calling the game of course it's joe buck and troy aikman so we're gonna have these bad memories and think that they're hating on the packers yeah it's you know thank you this is not my theory i've heard it i've heard it with other people but i i don't know they're always there for the big games and the packers have lost some big games the last couple of years uh by the way ebo happy march madness i don't really even like college basketball that much although this year i've I've dabbled a little bit more i've worked at it uh, but March, it's it's like the sport just transforms. It ascends in March. The other night, I'm watching NDSU, SDSU, and, and the NEC, the Northeast Conference, with teams from Rhode Island, and I'm loving it because for whatever reason, when March comes, college basketball, it's like the sport just grows wings and takes flight, and I don't really understand how, but it's awesome. So it's like you get the fever for March. It's like when Joe Buck sees a new set of hair plugs. It's like you start itching. You're like, you, you need it. You, gotta, you need to put it in your head. No, but yeah, March Madness is great. I've I've been getting the fever. Uh, I got the fever like last week. And I was watching, you know, Illinois just lost today to Indiana. Unbelievable, right? Then you got Penn State beating Ohio State yesterday. Then I can't wait to see Badgers take down uh, Tom Izzo and Sparty today. It's just, it's the drama. And Grant, you're, you're kind of like I am like this. We love the drama and the theatrics. We're storytellers. At the edge of your seats. Yeah. yeah. And that's what... March Madness and these conference tournaments are. It's just it's theatrics and drama, and it's just good cooler water cooler talk, good banter. Speaking of good story and drama, have you seen the new Batman movie? I'm going to see it tonight after the show. No, but I really want to. Um, uh, I just had one of my listeners, Mitch in Madison, said he just got out of it. He said it was worth the watch. He wasn't sure how much he liked it. It wasn't good as The Dark Knight. I don't think any Batman ever will be. Heath Ledger literally gave his life to the role. So yeah. uh, excited to see it. I do like Robert Pattinson. I'll put the Twilight stuff aside. And whoever the Catwoman is, not bad either, Grant Bill. Zoe Kravitz? Well, Lenny Kravitz Mm. is awesome, too. So I'm just, I'm a Kravitz fan. Yeah, I'm going tonight, and it's three hours long, but we're going to one of the theaters with the recliner. So I'll, it's fine. I'll I'll sit through it. I brought my big, uh, no. I'm going there right after work. I brought my big comfy sweatshirt with the huge hood. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm kind of excited, as you can't tell, because I brought it up while we're talking about it. I will say this. I'm a little over the superhero stuff. I have been for quite some time. Like, I'm just, the Marvel, like the Marvel Universe. I fell asleep in the theaters to Infinity War. Wow. I fell asleep three times in Endgame. I just, it's so uh, played. I'm just ready for something new. That's why I like DC. DC's a little more darker, so I do enjoy that. Well, and I, I'm with you on the superhero stuff. I'm not against superhero movies, but th- this is what I realized the other night. As soon as I watch one, like I watch Iron Man, right? It's like, oh, that was a good movie. And as soon as I watch that, then the Marvel crowd is like, okay, well, now you have to watch this, 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 and then you can start Thor. It's like, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. I wanted to watch one movie. I liked it. Now leave me alone. Right? It's, it's like you have no. to sign a contract when you get into Marvel. It's, it's awesome. And every movie is the exact same. It's like, okay, yeah. oh, here's your superhero. There's some adversity. And, oh, they win at the end. Let's all feel better about ourselves. It's like, give me something dark and, like, dreary and depressing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something with a little edge. We're talking with Ebo from The Zone in Madison uh, on the Badgers. So Adam Rittenberg put out a piece yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. You don't even need to read it, honestly, but it is pretty good. Um, it's about Johnny Davis, and the title is How Johnny Davis Proved True Basketball Stardom is Possible at Wisconsin. This is a cool feature. I hate this piece, Ebo. I despise the whole premise of it. Do you know why? Why? No, do tell, please. They don't give enough love to lacrosse? Or no, what? no, no. There's a lot of love to lacrosse in this. They mentioned Kobe King and Brown C. Haney. No, no, that was my favorite part. 
The reason I don't like this, and this is, I, I love when I have a take from this angle because I, I don't typically, it, this is what I hate about this generation. I, logic like this. Like, oh, Johnny Your Davis. generation? Finally, my generation, basically. Um, and Dave, yeah, Dave from Monona will probably chime in on this. I, I hate that we're putting the onus on schools. Like, hey, this school needs to do its job and get this player into the NBA. Well, it's like, well, no, if that player is good, all these schools are on TV. It's the Big Ten. Like, get into the NBA. If you're if you're not good enough, that's your own fault. And last year, like, Nate Reavers and company, they're like, oh, Greg Gard doesn't Ugh. care about us. Hey, you want to be good? Then get better. Like, it's not Greg Gard's job to hold your hand. And I, this is a cool piece, and it's great for Wisconsin, and they're going to have a great NBA player, but... The idea that, like, it's on the schools and on the coaches to do their job to help kids get into the NBA, I, I don't like that. It, it should be the player's responsibility. I don't like that. That's an issue with this Grant, generation I have. Sometimes I feel like you're lost in the sauce of Gen Z. Then other times you come and completely redeem yourself yes. with a take like that. Yes. Unbelievable. I agree. This is why I love college. College basketball is college basketball. It's not, hey, we got to get these guys at the NBA. No, college basketball is all about the journey. I think Ben Kenny said this to you in Philip Michaels. It's all mm -hmm. about the journey and the experience. And if you are good, you can be noticed by NBA scouts and talent or whatever. Yeah. But you put that aside and you be good on the court for your collegiate team. And I like how Johnny Davis was like given Wisconsin because I saw you post about this. Given Wisconsin love, like Final Four appearances, Sweet Sixteens, Elite Eights. It's like why can't Wisconsin? have the players in-state stay and be good. Well, yeah. they can because it's a great program. There's a reason why the Badgers are four or better in the Big Ten every year. It's because they're good. So that's what I love about college basketball. I, the NBA, my brother's like this. My youngest brother's like this. He's like, well, it's all about the NBA for me. How come they can't get these players at the NBA? I, yeah. I don't care about the NBA. I care about college basketball, Wisconsin, not getting them to the you know, the Knicks who are going to suck or yeah. you know, insert crap team. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's why I love college basketball. Well, and like John ja, ja Morant went to Murray State and was the second yeah. overall pick. Like, and I, and we hear about the Badgers. Oh, they run the swing. It's so old fashioned. Really? Because Johnny Davis seems to do pretty good with the swing. He seems to be able to highlight all of his skills pretty darn well. It's not like Greg Gard changed everything this year. I think, Evo, I think there's a misconception about Johnny Davis. I think a lot of people unfairly are critical of Greg Gard in retrospect, because they're like, how did he not highlight this guy last year? Johnny Davis played a lot last year. He was not this guy. So in the offseason, he gets better. He improves. He is one of, if not the most improved player in college basketball. And that has nothing to do with Wisconsin other than putting the infrastructure in place, the coaches to help him. Wisconsin didn't overhaul the offense they run. They didn't tweak the roster. No, no, no. Johnny Davis just sacked up and turn himself into a way better version of himself. And look, he's reaping the benefits this year. I just, it, with the AAU and, and everything about college and, and, and high school basketball in this AAU. country just perturbs me. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, a, my brother would play AAU basketball. I would travel around with a bunch of play. AAU is such a mind F, dude. It's, uh, I think so, like, too. Who can, who can sniff the more jocks, you know, the harder yeah. uh, when it comes to, like, parents and coaches. But, no, Johnny Davis, you're totally right. Johnny Davis... Even all the, you know, the blue check marks and the big J's that get paid, they had Johnny Davis like, well, we'll think the Badgers will finish anywhere from 12 to 8. The consensus is 10. We'll think he'll take a little jump. Johnny Davis took a huge jump. It's because he worked on himself, as you were saying, the FIBA U19 where USA won the gold or the, you know, the medal. Yeah. The FIBA U19. Johnny Davis was huge. That game, that, that little tournament grew his game immensely and then go look at the other guys for you know usa that were in that and they're all big 10 and they're all looking at lottery picks too so you have to work on yourself grant i mean things aren't and this 
and thank you. This is not a Gen Z take for you. You can't just be given things. You got to work for it. You got to put the time in. Well, no, and this is anytime, you know, speaking, let's make this about me because this is my show. And, you know, I, I when you Dave takes, very hard at it. well, yeah, when Dave takes a day off in the morning, I'll be like, no, I'll fill in. I'll get up early. It's fine. It's a chance to get better. Right. When Bill needs exactly. a day off and Ben asked me to host, you know what I'm doing tomorrow, Ebo? I am filling in for the host of the Outdoors Show on WKTY, our station here in La Crosse. Oh. I'm going to talk about fishing for an hour tomorrow morning. I was going to guess. It's gonna be trout. Are we going to be talking about trout fishing tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually really excited. It's only an hour. If it was three hours, I mean, an hour is, I mean, you know, it's light work when you're used to doing four. Uh, One hour. Question, that's question. Light work. Yeah. Are we, going, are we going barb or barbless hooks when we're fishing for trout grandpills up in La Crosse? Um, well, it, I mean, it depends on what, around La Crosse, I'll use, I'll use barbs um but the hooks okay. are so small I, don't if, know. I can't remember the regulations yeah if i'm fishing somewhere like if i go out west and you're catching cutthroat trout which are like rare like then i'll use barbless yeah. when you go steelhead fishing yeah. it, it just kind of depends but that's another reason to get off track that's why i like fly fishing you're not throwing huge lures that have like multiple treble hooks like you're using one hook and yeah. by and large you know you put the fish back in the water and and it'll it's be the fine. art yeah exactly it's exactly so i'm i'm getting better to put a cap on this getting better tomorrow morning at broadcasting by uh, expanding Love my it. horizons. We're talking with Evo. Yourself on the back. Yeah, thank you. I will. That's, that's the whole point of me bringing this up. We're talking with Evo <laughs> from The Zone in Madison. How is Billy Strings? I want to hear about this. Oh, all right. If you want to talk about a dude to put in the work to get better, oh, oh my God. So, Grant, uh, there's timeless concerts that I'll watch. Like, one of my favorites is Stevie Ray Vaughan at the Austin City Limits. Oh, so yes. I came in, right? Stevie Ray Vaughan is incredible. Yes. I came in to Billy Strings, not knowing much about him. I just was, like, listening to some of the album stuff and some live stuff, and I'm like, I love bluegrass, and he's a, I play guitar. Grant, you also play guitar very well. It's nice licks today on Instagram. Oh, thank and you. And I was uh, looking at Billy Strings, and all of a sudden, he stomps on this distortion pedal on his acoustic guitar and just starts wailing like he's Stevie Ray Vaughan at Austin City Limits. I, my jaw hit the floor. Like, I was enamored with uh, as a hoedown's going on, essentially, and he just starts <laughs> wailing like the next axe god it, on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. It was insane, and the crowd was hilarious. Like, I know you're a Grateful Dead guy. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've ever been on a I think we've talked about this on my show. I didn't realize the amount of, like, old, burnt-out hippies and tie-dye with dreadlocks that were just like, Hey, karma, man, can I get five bucks, man? And yeah. all they want to do is get that five bucks to get to the next show. Because that's how good Billy Strings is. It was an incredible experience. So glad I saw it live. So I got a text. The reason I, I wanted to hear about this, um, but I got a text from a buddy, my buddy who lives in Montana. And I normally go out there to fish every August, take a week off before football. And that's kind of my vacation every year. Um, and Billy Strings in August is going to be playing in Missoula. And my buddy's like, hey, when you come out here, we should go see Billy Strings for two nights. I'm going to send you... Uh, the picture of the venue. It's on a river. So I might have an opportunity oh. to go see Billy Strings in Missoula in August. So this is why I wanted to ask because I, I have months to do some scouting and listen to shows and kind of get into it. So I'm really ready for August. So I, I appreciate kind of the scouting um, report. Je jealous, incredible. My one warning, Grant Bills, is don't get lost. If, if some old burnt out hippie offers you some kind of weird looking brownie or maybe some kind of like you know a mushroom that doesn't look like a portabella or a cremini or something sure sure i would advise i would advise carefulness because i don't want you to end up with your hair dreadlocked and you on the road selling grilled cheeses for five dollars to get to the next show okay <laughs> i think i told you on uh on tuesday morning when you when you asked if I just want to go to jam band shows, I said, Ebo, I have two wolves inside of me. One wants to buy a bus and travel the country going to shows, and the other just 
wants to talk about Craig Council and the Brewers, and they're always at odds. Hey, hey, two wolves. Let me squash. Let me squash the bus stream right now. Gas is like four oh nine or something. So. <laughs> oh, that's true. I was gonna maybe go to Eau Claire tomorrow. You have to sell a lot of grilled cheese. To- <laughs> I know. I know. Inflation. We don't think about the deadheads and the the groupies and how inflation kills them. Uh, I was thinking about going to Eau Claire tomorrow because the Cross Central plays at North. They're playing against Bedford to go to state, and I'm like, I don't got the funds hey, for this. Wait a minute, I can't do this. I was, you just you just hit me with something. It's something that's been lost in the inflation and gas prices. Are all the old hippies, man? Who we no one ever thought of them in this journey. How are they surviving? How are the, how are the hippies able to get on from show to show? They're totally lost in the minutia of all. This. What about what about a freedom convoy? But instead of truckers, it's VW vans, and it's like the love and peace convoy, and it's all of these stoners that just drive to Washington. What about well, us? Here's what the here's what the convoy is going to be now, Grant. With all the stoner hippies and whatnot, it's like Forrest Gump when he just decides to start running, yeah. And then everyone joins, and everyone joins along <laughs> with them. That's they can't afford gas, dude. They're just going to be. And one day, I just started running just for Billy running. Strings. <laughs> all for Billy Strings. Well, cool. I we'll have to talk more about the show. I got to let you go because I should probably talk about the Badgers or something. But enjoy the games. Hey, Badgers getting the big win tonight over Izzo. Uh, love it. Yeah, I would love to be on State Street, but again, gas prices in this economy, I just, I can't get over there. So sometime I'll have to come visit Madison and see you, and maybe Ben would even stop by and have a beer with us. Maybe we could even... Uh, don't, don't hold your breath. <laughs> All right, Evo, thanks for the time. Have a good weekend, man. Hey, you too, brother. Nice talking to you. Yeah, Ebo on Twitter, at Ebo says, The Zone in Madison, 6 to 10. I'm on his show once a week. I have him on from time to time. Let's talk more Badgers coming up next. Also, amazing NBA game last night. And it pertains to the Bucks, so maybe we'll talk about that for a minute or two. We'll reset the Wisco Sports Show at 5 o'clock. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. We talk more Badgers and more Packers in the second half of the show. I got some Packers takes today. I'm excited. And it's not just going to be aimless wonderings about Aaron Rodgers and what this has all been about. No, I have some some specific things I want to talk about, and I'm excited. You can text and call the show, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me. Find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Another really quick and easy way to get involved with the show. Can I, just for three minutes... Please talk about Net Sixers last night. Please, 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 please. Just really quickly. I'll be brief. We talked about yesterday with Ben Kenny and, and the Sixers and the Nets meeting in Philly last night. It was supposed to be Ben Simmons' return to Philly. Obviously, it was not because Ben Simmons is... Man, I really want to give him the benefit of the doubt on the mental health stuff. And I I think we have to, but dude, come on. Let's play play basketball. You're a basketball player. No, not that it mattered. Uh, the Nets won 129 to 100 without Ben Simmons. Nets aren't even really healthy yet. Kevin Durant is insane. Kyrie, when he can play and when he's right, is unbelievable. Most importantly, James Harden sucked. James Harden, James Harden had 11 points on three of 17 shooting, and all three of his makes were three pointers. Means he went what? Oh, 14 from the field. Joel Embiid had 27 points, but 15 of those points were from the free throw line. Here's the thing with the Sixers that we need to talk about more. Harden has always sucked in the playoffs. Embiid, 
just through the nature of his position, it's not even a criticism. It's hard for a center to lead a team as the best player in a playoffs, and you're seeing the same team for two straight weeks. And Doc Rivers has had some bad playoff losses and meltdowns as well. They just got smoked in the regular season by a team that's not even healthy, a team that had just lost 17 of 20. We're all really high on the Sixers. Can we maybe ease back just a bit? Seth Curry, unbelievable this year. They don't have him anymore. Andre Drummond is a really useful player. They don't have him anymore. I really like Tyrese Maxey, but he had four points last night. Right, if Harden and Embiid have an off night like they did last night, the Sixers team isn't necessarily dead on arrival, but it's not in a great spot. Here's the thing with the Sixers, and this is something that I I feel like not a lot of people are talking about. The Sixers live and die at the free throw line. Embiid and Harden go to the free throw line a lot. And that's a huge advantage in the regular season. You're going to pin a lot of fouls on the other team. You're gonna, I mean, you're getting free points. James Harden and Joel Embiid, the way they shoot free throws, you're getting free points. It's great. But what happens in the playoffs? Refs don't call as many fouls. They let things go. And it's hard for a player like James Harden, and this has been shown historically, if you look back at all of his playoff appearances, it's really hard for a player like James Harden to maintain regular season production in the playoffs. Right, Because you're playing the same team two weeks straight. They can really key on a high-volume, high-usage player, find ways to take them out of the game, and you're not getting those free points at the free-throw line, which is a huge part of both Harden and Embiid's game. So again, the Sixers are good. The Nets are good, but I think the safest bet in the East remains the Bucks. It has to be the Bucks, right? Who else would it be? I just The Heat don't have star power. Sorry. The, the Bulls don't have star power. Sorry. The Bucks remain the safest bet in the East. Last night again should show you why. Let's talk baseball, Badgers, Packers, all coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. You know, there's so many more things he does than just score. But defensively, he played guard a lot of different guys, did really well. You need games like that from your best guys like Chris, so it's a hell of an effort by him. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. A lot going on today. A lot happened yesterday and the day before and the day before. This week has just been nonstop. The NFL won't quit. College basketball is just in heat right now. Conference championships really starting to get going. The Badgers play starting about a half hour here against Michigan State. So we have that to look forward to. Joe Buck is going to ESPN and up is down and the sky is green and the grass is blue. And it's not ending. Oh, yeah, baseball's back. That's right. I almost forgot about that. That was so 28 hours ago. Baseball coming back. I can't believe you're still talking about this. <laughs> I want to talk a lot of Packers. Really, for most of the rest of the show. Um, And and I feel like the last couple of weeks, probably the last two months or so, we've done a lot of aimless wandering through the wilderness with Rodgers. Like, I'll come on here. I'll say one Aaron Rodgers thing. We'll get a call. I'll react to that call. And and really, we just have talked about Aaron Rodgers with no rhyme or reason. I got rhyme. I got reason today. I want to talk about the Russ deal what that tells us about the Seahawks, what that tells us about Aaron Rodgers, what that tells us about Carson Wentz. It's all connected. It's all connected. Like that Always Sunny episode where he's in the mailroom in the basement. It's Pepe Sylvia this, Pepe Sylvia that. It's all connected. 
And now Deshaun Watson's coming back so we can have another quarterback on the market. It's all connected. I want to talk about that here in about 15 minutes. And then at 530, I want to look back at the 2020 draft. And not just the Jordan Love pick. You you lose the forest for the trees when you just talk about and think about the Jordan Love pick. So I want to look at the rest of the draft as well. A.J. Dillon, Josiah Deguara, and the rest of them. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. My name is Grant Bills, and I am thrilled you're here. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can text and call the show 608-796-2558. Let's start with Tim, who's in Sparta. Tim, happy Friday. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday to you, Grant. Uh, by the way, you and Ben did a great show the other day. And, uh, I thought you guys did a fine job when you were filling in for Bill. Thank you. Um, and then I, I got to tell you, if you like Stevie Ray Vaughan, mm. you got to listen to a guy by the name of Joe Bonamassa. Oh, Smoking Joe. Yeah. I want to see, see him in person just because I think it would be a spectacle. He's just a robot. He, he is he is un freaking believable um I, I i've been to um when stevie was alive i got to see him down in new orleans uh he put on a great show joe just kills it how old uh, there, was no, how old was joe at the time because he like he was a child prodigy there's videos you can find of him in his teens playing shows with big people yeah i i, I saw joe about six years ago okay um and then saw stevie oh god that was back in the day yeah. Um, and with that white suit and those hats with the feathers, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what everyone, everyone coming out of the nineties, Tim, the thing was to get a hat and a strat. That's the, that's what Stevie Ray did. Everyone wanted a Stratocaster and they wanted a big hat. We need to go back to the big hats just for fun. Why does no one wear hats like that? Not a little fedora, but a, a big honking one. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta have, you gotta have style or you got nothing. And, and Joe's got plenty of that. Anyway. Um, with uh, the whole Rodgers deal, had I, had we been able, with all this ancillary crap that's now going on that he hasn't come up, we have no idea what his deal is, what it's going to be, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. He's he's my guy. He's the he's the greatest thrower of the football I've ever seen. But I'm to the point now where I would have taken the Denver deal that they gave to Seattle. Really? Of two and two, two, two and two and two players. I mean, it's just I, I'm I, I, because without Rogers getting everything done, where are we? We're screwed because we can't do any other contract until he signs on the dotted line. I mean, there's there's I, I know that these guys are smart. They've got Plan A, Plan B, Plan C for all these other guys. But without Rogers putting his name on a piece of paper. We can't get into that. We don't know how far into the salary cap. We don't know if we can uh, extend uh, Alexander. We don't know if we can, you know, get Campbell. We don't know all of these things. And as a as a lifelong fan, um, he said he wasn't going to be like Favre, and yet right now, in my opinion, he's worse than Favre. Dude, isn't that what's and, amazing? Is he has the self awareness to realize what Favre did, but not the self awareness to realize that he's basically doing the same thing. It's so bizarre. Yeah, and and he is the smartest guy in the room. I'll give him that. Um, but well, as far as the football field is concerned, um, and he, I probably have read more. Um, books that are in dead languages than him, but 
<laughs> but uh, um, it just until he does something, uh, until we know what it, where he is, you know, we're just hosed, and I'm just he's wore me out. Yeah, just I, I think you're in the okay. same boat as a lot of people. Hey, Tim, I'm going to let you go, and I want to talk exactly what you said about the Packers needing to bring back other guys. So I want to continue to talk about this. Thanks for setting us up, and uh, thanks for the call. Have a good weekend, man. Yep, you too. Bye-bye. Tim in Sparta. Bye-bye, Tim. 608-796-2558. A couple things that Tim said that, that are interesting. Number one, he said he would have taken the deal and the haul that the Seahawks got for Russell Wilson. I've heard the opposite from a lot of Packers fans. It's like, well, I... We would have needed a lot more for Rodgers. It's, it's interesting to see kind of how the perspective of that deal is seen by lots of Packers fans because some were like, oh, man, it would have been nice to get that. And others say that wouldn't have been nearly enough. So it's it's interesting. I'm Thank you for your perspective on that, Tim. The other thing, with Aaron Rodgers not signing on the dotted line and not signing his contract yet, this is something I actually brought up in the NBA Lounge yesterday where I think there's some parallels with Aaron Rodgers in 2022. Not for his whole career, but Aaron Rodgers in 2021 and 2022, some spooky parallels to LeBron. And if you don't follow the NBA closely, I can explain this very briefly. LeBron makes every move and takes every step and and everything he does is with the intention of keeping the pressure on the franchise that he plays for. So when he was in Cleveland, he's signing one-year deals, right? I, I I want this franchise to not have a cushion. I don't want them to be able to exhale and take a deep breath and say, okay, well, if we don't, if we're not winning a championship this year, at least LeBron's here for two more years, right? We always want the pressure on the team. And that's good to a certain degree, but I don't know that it's entirely necessary. Like right now, LeBron's putting pressures on the, on the Lakers over the all-star break. He made some comments uh, and just things that have come out of LeBron's camp, things that have been made public are designed to let the Lakers know, Hey, I know we won a title two years ago, but I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with a bummy roster. I'm not just going to sit here and start my retirement early and come get my 25 points a night and just ride off into the sunset without ever contending again. So, Lakers, get your act together, right? I'm going to put some pressure on you. And I think a lot of people have perceived what Aaron Rodgers is doing, pressure exertion on the Packers. Well, he waited until franchise tag day to sign or to say that he's coming back because he wanted to put pressure on the Packers to bring back and franchise tag Devontae Adams, right? He wanted to make sure that the Packers were doing everything in their power to contend and win before he came back. Look, I understand why athletes do it. I understand why LeBron does it, and I understand why Aaron Rodgers does it. Feel powerful. Feel like you're in charge of your own situation. You're large and in charge. You're having an impact. You're taking control of your future. That's great. Good for you. Here's the thing, though, and this is what I said yesterday. Do you think the Bus family and the Lakers are content with losing? Do you think the Lakers are okay with being the 10th seed? Of course they're not. And that's where LeBron loses me. The Lakers don't need pressure from LeBron. They don't need reminders from LeBron that this isn't going to fly. They're the Lakers. They They don't want to be bad either. They're regretting this Russell Westbrook trade just like LeBron is. They're feeling trapped with all of these bad contracts and lack of assets. The Lakers know LeBron doesn't need to put pressure on them and remind them and put the squeeze on them. The Lakers are already feeling squeezed. It's much of the same with the Packers. The Packers want to bring Devontae Adams back. The Packers want to extend Jair. The Packers would love to get MVS back and love to get Devondre Campbell back. The Packers and Brian Gutekinds don't need Aaron Rodgers constantly bearing down on them with every move 
that he makes or lack of moves, really sitting around and, and not saying what he's planning to do. Aaron Rodgers thinks he's putting pressure on the Packers. Really what he's doing is just telling the Packers what they already know. Brian Gutekinds wants to win a Super Bowl. The Packers want to win a Super Bowl. It's called Title Town, right? This isn't Detroit. This is Green Bay. It's their goal to win a Super Bowl. They don't need the pressure from Aaron Rodgers. They don't need the constant conniving and, 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 and leaks and things that put the pressure on the Packers. They're already feeling the pressure. It's been 12 years since they've been in the Super Bowl. Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and Mark Murphy and the Packers want to get back to and win a Super Bowl just as much as Aaron Rodgers. In fact, I think they want it more than Aaron Rodgers. I think the Packers organization is more committed to putting the best team on the field and getting back to and winning a Super Bowl even more so than Aaron Rodgers. They don't need to feel pressure from Aaron Rodgers. Just like the Lakers or the Heat before the Lakers or the Cavs before the Heat, those organizations understood the stakes as well, okay? The Cavs did everything the first time around they could have done. It wasn't enough. LeBron wasn't ready, right? LeBron just wasn't ready. He needed to go to Miami. You saw that failure against uh, Dallas, and I think that was very humbling. And then he came back the next year, watch what he did to the Celtics, and the Bulls, and then breaking through, and then obviously climbing the mountaintop and winning the finals against the Thunder. And then they came back and did it again, and then they got beat by a good Spurs team two years later. It wasn't the Cavs' fault. It's not that they didn't try hard enough, make enough trades, make enough draft picks. They just, it didn't work out. LeBron putting the screws to them really didn't really didn't affect things. The Heat didn't need to feel the pressure with LeBron. They wanted to win. They understood the stakes. Dwayne Wade was aging. Chris Bosh was aging. Their roster was aging. Exact same with the Heat now or, or the, the Lakers now, and it's exactly the same with the Packers. So I I, I think these athletes, and, and it's the highest status of athletes, like LeBron and like Rodgers, they feel like they're putting pressure on the organization, and I think they think they're doing a good thing, but they're not. They're just being annoying. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers would have come out a month ago and told the Packers, I'm coming back. You don't even need to make it a public spectacle. Just tell Goody and the Packers, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to come back. I want to keep playing. I like playing in Green Bay, right? So just know that, and now go about your business, right? Do your best to bring back any great players you can, sign any free agents you can, make trades if you need to, know I'm coming back, right? Let's win a Super Bowl. I don't think if Aaron Rodgers would have told the Packers a month ago, I'm coming back. You, you know what doesn't happen? Brian Gutekinds doesn't all of a sudden go up to his office and light a cigar and say, all right, oh, now I can go on vacation. Now, screw the draft. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. We don't need to pick good players. Good players. <laughs> we should we should cut Jair Alexander. Forget it. Forget extending. We have Aaron Rodgers back. Now we can do every. Now we can make all these bad moves. No. So I I, I realized that Aaron Rodgers he in his head and Tim said I know he's the smartest guy in the room. I, I don't know that he is. I think he thinks he is, um, which is a really obnoxious trait. Um, but I, I think Aaron Rodgers thinks he's doing the Packers a, a service. You guys in, in your in your simple minds. I don't know. You're just content with making the playoffs, but I'm I'm pressuring you to to reach a higher level. It's like, well, no, they know. Actually, I think the Packers probably want a Super Bowl more than Aaron Rodgers does. I don't know that Aaron Rodgers obsesses over getting back to another Super Bowl, which is something that I brought up this week. Same with the Lakers. They want to win another title too. It's the Lakers. They don't get out of bed. That, that you know what? That bubble finals it didn't even do that much for him. The Lakers have won so many titles with so many great stars. Uh, in, in the pantheon of great Lakers championships. Oh, the Disney bubble with an aging LeBron and Anthony Davis. Yeah, is that one's going to go into the rafters, into Lakers lore? Is that the one we're going to tell our kids about? No, they're going to talk about Shaq and Kobe and Kobe and Powell. And then whoever the Lakers end up getting in free agency or whatever superstar comes there next in 10 years. Right? 
Lakers are probably fed up with LeBron. It's like, wait, you're going to boss us around and tell us to do? We've moved mountains. We've essentially let Clutch move in and run this team. And you've delivered us one title, of which we have lots. And it was a bubble championship that was played at Disney. Our fans weren't even there. <sighs> glad, glad Tim brought this up. Because I think there are a lot of athletes that think they're doing a good thing by putting pressure on their organization. Now, some organizations maybe need it. Maybe the Bengals need it, right? Or it, maybe the Suns. The Suns probably do need it because Robert Sarver's cheap as hell. We talked yesterday about, um, what did he trade? The, the seventh overall pick for the 31st overall pick in cash. Basically just sold a draft pick, a really good draft pick. <laughs> some organizations, some owners, maybe they do need to feel the pressure. The Packers, I don't think so. The Lakers, certainly not. But good for LeBron and Aaron Rodgers, I guess. Do your thing. Let's take a break. I want to talk more about the NFL. Russell Wilson got dealt. Carson Wentz got dealt. Aaron Rodgers did not. When we combine those three storylines, what do we learn? I finally broke through. I finally came up with a, a way to discuss this and a way to look at this week and all the quarterback movement and the quarterback market. So let's talk about that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. You can text to call the show if you'd like. Don't feel the pressure to if you don't want to, but you're always welcome. 608-796-2558. Going to take a look back at the 2020 draft. I want to look at some of these Packers selections. I like A.J. Dillon. I might still even like Josiah DeGuara. Jordan Love is a weird outlier. We need to talk about that draft pick a little bit differently because we judge quarterbacks differently, and they're different than any other position. I want to look back at what the Packers did in the 2020 draft, but also what other teams did. The Packers did one thing in the 2020 draft, and some of the other contending teams, especially in the NFC, did something else. And I'm not saying one is right, one is wrong. I'm just some differences here. I want to break that down here in about 10 minutes. Deshaun Watson has been cleared of all charges. As we've mentioned, I think, a couple times throughout the show. So watch some team deal for him immediately. I don't know, the Eagles, the Dolphins, maybe the Seahawks. There's a lot of noise around the Seahawks now wanting to flip some of those picks. What I think is really funny, the Seahawks got a haul of picks for Russell Wilson, but they had traded so many good picks previous to this deal that they basically just got now an average number of draft picks. <laughs> like the Eagles traded away a bunch of good players uh, and they just have draft picks up the butt, you know, or any team that trades away, like, uh, like for example, the Lions trading away Matthew Stafford, they're going to have a surplus of picks, a surplus of ones. The Seahawks just kind of have a normal draft package <laughs> because they already traded so many of their picks away. So, wow, they have so many extra picks because of the Wilson deal. No, actually, th that just basically got them back to sea level. <laughs> So if the Seahawks end up dealing for Watson or another quarterback rather than moving forward with Drew Locke or Geno Smith or taking one in the draft, they're basically going to bottom out again because they don't have extra picks. They have an average number of picks after replenishing their stash after dealing Russell Wilson. So maybe Deshaun Watson in Seattle. I don't know. Joe Buck is headed over to ESPN. He's going to be with Troy Aikman doing Monday Night Football, which is cool. It sucks that I'll have to like ESPN now. Kind of blows. I really like Fox. I liked that Buck was on Fox. Buck's my favorite. Fox is my favorite place to watch games. So that's a bummer. But now ESPN won't be so annoying in the Monday night booth 
will actually be decent and be tolerable, which is good. Also, the Badgers play in 10 minutes. Uh, there's a lot going on. I want to talk about some of the storylines from earlier this week. Rogers stays. Russell Wilson has been dealt. Carson Wentz was dealt. Carson Wentz has been traded for picks more than any other player maybe in NFL history. I'm not sure. I don't know how you would research such a thing. But the list is nuts all the way back to the draft. Remember, the Browns were compensated for giving up that pick, the pick that was Carson Wentz. Uh, First rounder, third rounder, fourth rounder, first rounder, second rounder. So that's what the Browns received. And then the Eagles received a third rounder and a first rounder. And now the Colts have received a third rounder and a second rounder. Carson Wentz has made over $100 million career earnings so far, and he's going to continue to make a lot of more because his contract is fat, and teams are going to continue to pay him. The Eagles are still paying him. The Colts will still be paying him next year. And now the Washington football, no, Washington Washington Commanders. Yep, that's it. They'll be paying him a bunch this year too. Rodgers, Wilson, Wentz. If we combine these three, and we think about them as as a quarterback market as a whole. This was the quarterback market. Now Deshaun Watson is in there, but that'll come later. So let's talk about Rodgers, Wilson, and Wentz as a market. I think I'm in the minority on this. But I believe Denver was happily going to take Rodgers or Russ. I don't believe that they wanted Rodgers and then had to settle for Russ. I don't think they were gunning hard for Rodgers and then when he came off the board, scrambled to then make a deal for Russ. I bet they were one in the same. I think the price would have been a little bit higher for Rodgers, considering he's won MVPs the last two years, and he's just a better quarterback. But Russ is younger. Outside of his finger injury, he's more durable. I think he plays better in the cold for what we've seen Rodgers do the last two years. There's less drama with Russ. You get more years. He's younger, like I said. I think Rodgers and Russ were 1A and 1B, or they might have just been 1 and 1. I think Denver was happily going to take either. And I see a lot of Packers fans and, and, and other people around the league. I was listening to the Bill Simmons pod today with Kevin Clark, and Kevin Clark was like, I think it's pretty clear that they were gunning for Rodgers all along, and then when he came off the board, then they turned to Russ. I don't, I don't know that I subscribe to that. And Kevin Clark's way more plugged in, been in the league for a long time, unlike me. I sit in a studio on lacrosse, but I just... I don't know. I think as a trade asset, Russ isn't that much worse than Rodgers. He's be- I think they, they're almost identical. And I see a lot of Packers fans saying, well, you would have got a lot bigger haul for Rodgers. But then we had Tim call earlier, Tim and Sparta, and basically said, I would have loved that haul if we would have traded Rodgers. I, I don't know. I don't know that the Packers would have gotten a lot more for Rodgers than the Seahawks got for Russ. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that they were content with either Russ or Rodgers. I do feel pretty confident about that, even if I'm in the minority. Here's something I'm not confident on, and here's something I would love to know. Did Seattle want to trade Russ? Was it their doing, or did Russ demand this behind the scenes quietly? Did Seattle want to trade Russ? Because if they didn't want to trade Russ, this is unprecedented. This deal is unprecedented. Find me one example, one of a franchise in NFL history that traded a star quarterback that they wanted to keep, right? The franchise wanted to keep the quarterback. This isn't the NBA where James Harden wants out of the Rockets. Okay, well, they have no choice but to deal him. James Harden wants out of Brooklyn. They have no choice but to deal him, right? Anthony Davis wants out of New Orleans. They have no choice but to deal him. This happens in the NBA all the time. You never see in the NFL with quarterbacks, a quarterback say, I want out. And the franchise say, no, we don't want to trade you. And then he ends up getting traded. 
Jay Cutler in Denver, but that whole thing started because Josh McDaniels wanted Matt Castle, and then it kind of devolved from there. Find one example of a franchise that traded a star quarterback they wanted to keep. There isn't one. So if the Seahawks wanted to keep Russ and ended up needing to deal him because something that happened behind the scenes with Russ, this is unprecedented. This has never happened before. Now, I think a good indicator of where the two parties were, the Seahawks and John Schneider and Pete Carroll versus Russell Wilson, the relationship between the two parties, I'm waiting for the stories to come out in the next six or seven days. The writers that have have had these scoops and these reports for a long time but didn't want to drop them when Russell Wilson was still in town and now they're free to drop them, or, or the quote from someone who works in the Seahawks front office, a GM, or maybe a direct quote. Pete Carroll coming out and saying, like, yeah, he just wasn't the type of leader we wanted moving forward, whatever. Now, that would shock me. But I'm waiting for those stories to come out. I mean, look at the pieces that have come out about Carson Wentz in the last few days alone. Yesterday, I cited a piece in The Athletic that, now I got the baseball one here. It was, I think it was Jake Reitz. Who was it? I want to make sure I shout out the writer. Not that he cares, but um, if you want to read it, it's Zach Kiefer. Uh, It was posted two days ago, so this would have been Wednesday. Uh, Zach Kiefer in The Athletic. Some of these quotes from the Colts are nuts. Listen to this. Truth be told, some inside the Colts' uh, West 56th Street facility were finished with Carson Wentz's experiment long before the team's late-season collapse, according to several recent conversations with sources inside the organization. Consecutive losses to Las Vegas and Jacksonville in Week 17 and 18, punctuated by poor play from the starting quarterback, cost the team a 97% shot at the playoffs and led owner Jim Ursay to calling it, quote, an epic shortfall that stunned and shocked and appalled us all. Not pulling punches here on Carson Wentz. They have no issue coming out and saying, yeah, this guy sucked. We couldn't wait to get rid of him. Another another excerpt here. As for the Colts, the issues with Wentz stretch back to before the season beginning. One source said, and over the course of the year, some grew frustrated at what they deemed a lack of leadership, a resistance to hard coaching, and a reckless style of play, which had a role in several close losses this year. So not a day after Carson Wentz was dealt, you have sources in the Colts coming out and saying, yeah, we never liked this guy. He sucked. He was bad. We didn't like his leadership style. We were sick of him all year. So what's going to be in the pieces about Russ? Is it going to be tribute pieces? Oh, we're so thankful for the time he was here. Or is there going to be quotes like from a, and it wouldn't have to be this brazen as it is with Carson Wentz, but maybe someone in the Seahawks organization is quoted in a piece saying, didn't really feel like he was all in in Seattle. Felt like he was always looking over the fence. Seemed disconnected from his teammates, right? Like, that's what I'm waiting to see. Because I have a hard time believing Seattle desperately wanted to keep Russ and were forced to trade him because that just doesn't happen in the NFL. Ed is in Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Ed? What's going on? Hey, Grant. You know, I heard that um, Russell Wilson had a no trade clause, Mm -hmm. and I heard the Colts were really hot for him. Thank you. And... It makes me wonder if maybe that had something to do with him going to Denver. He would have almost rather have gone to one wanted to go to Denver. And 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 to be honest, I don't believe that Rogers was ever leaving Green Bay. I do believe he was never going to Denver. I think it was always Russell Wilson, just because of that trade clause. Yeah, Russ had to approve any trade. So that's a factor, which you typically don't see. You see that a lot in baseball, no trade clauses. You don't see that in the NFL as often. No, I know where you're coming no. from. That's an interesting factor here too, Ed. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. 
You know, I'm um, getting ready for the Badger game. What's your take today? I mean, there's been so so many crazy games right now. Look at the Big Ten. Number one getting knocked out. Penn State coming back and winning last night. Michigan choking away. It's crazy this year. I don't think I've ever seen the um, Big Ten tournament being so um, upset-minded. Well, it's kind of a first. It's nuts. How does Kofi Coburn and that Illinois team, as good as they are, get bounced that early? I, I don't get it, and... I think Purdue will probably get beat, too, honestly. I just, I hate betting or backing Matt Painter in big games. I just, the way that Purdue runs, they have these huge guys that aren't skilled, and they can get into foul trouble easily. I just, I don't know. It doesn't take a lot for Purdue to fall in a big game. They're not a very resilient team, the way they play and the way they're built. I don't know. You know, they all play really hard-nosed, but I, I, I think Wisconsin really put a chink in their armor this year going into Purdue and taking them down. I think that really really showed they're very vulnerable. So is Purdue, who do, we, sure. who do we believe the best team to be in the Big Ten right now, Ed? Do we even know? Uh, let me think about that. Wisconsin was the best I winning game. Say, um, oh, man. I, oh, I'm going I'm to be a homer. Uh, you go with the steady team, the team that seems to have not lost more than two games in a row. Yeah. That would be Wisconsin. Hell, yeah. Wisconsin's back-to-back games all year. Wisconsin is the team that is best at winning games. I don't know if that makes them the best yeah. team, but at the end of the day, like they're the team that has the formula, yeah. has the identity to win, even if they're not yeah. as talented as as maybe Illinois or Purdue. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't sound like a homer, but you got to just look at their production and what they've been able to do perform as a team. Um, and, you know, kind of do it. You know, that last week really stunk that they lost, but I had a feeling. You know how you get that gut feeling. Things are just a little too cozy. And things are just going to fall apart. That game had all the makings. And so I'm just going to be cautiously optimistic for the rest of the tournament. I'm not going to get too go. low. I'm not going to get too high. There you go. I love Dude, that. I think I already played in the tournament for the big tournament. No, I agree. Hey, I know we're all, we're all getting ready to the game. Are you at the drive-thru? Are you at the checkout line? What do you? What, I'm curious. You're not getting some Jason's Deli, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Enjoy the game, Ed, and have a great weekend. We'll talk next week or sometime soon, I'm sure. You too, bro. Take care. Yeah, take care. That's Ed and Madison. <laughs> I keep hearing him. I'm hearing him grabbing a bag and then saying thank you. I'm like, man, you're at the drive-thru or you're stocking up before the game. Hustle, Ed. Get home. Get home. Plop down in front of a TV. Although, if you miss two minutes of the game, but the snacks are a 10 out of 10, I, I think it's a worthwhile sacrifice. College basketball, 20-minute halves. You got time. Get your snacks right so when you get home, it's it's worth it, Ed. I, I agree. Maybe uh, have a little drink when you get home, crack a PBR, a nice Friday margarita. I wish I would have said that because now Dave's going to call and make fun of me for drinking margaritas, but margaritas are great, especially on a Friday after work. Choice. Let's keep talking about the Packers coming up next. And obviously, if you want to talk about the Badgers and you have something to add, send me a text or a call. Obviously, I'll work it in. But I have, I have a couple things I want to share with you on – the Packers 2020 draft, because I brought it up with Andy Herman yesterday, and we just barely scratched the surface. I want to add a little bit to that conversation. We'll do that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and now I have my laptop out. I was watching Big Ten Network and the Badgers playing Michigan State. It's not going to be a distraction. Uh, it's fine. I'll just get caught looking at it, and then I'll drift off. 
Anyways, um, what were we talking about? Sorry, I got caught up watching the back. <laughs> got caught up watching the Badger game. It's two two, by the way, to update you. I want to want to keep you in the loop. Hey, find me on Twitter. Tweet me during the show. Tweet me anytime. I just like arguing, honestly. So tweet me at Wisco Grant. Talk and text line is 608-796-2558. Give a text here. Jake from Colfax. Hey, Jake. Where does the Eli Manning thing when he was drafted count? Oh, so you mean the draft rights? Yeah, that's a little bit different. So it was the case of Philip Rivers and Drew Brees, right? You can talk about a couple of these guys. I'm saying like into their career, established quarterback. Find an example in NFL history where a team had to trade a quarterback they didn't want to trade. It just doesn't happen. The NBA, it happens every other month because the way the league is structured, the power that the agents hold, right? Just the way things work. It's like James Harden, I went out of Houston. It's like, well, actually, no, you're under under contract for a little bit. And like, we don't want to trade you. I want to be traded. I'm going to get fat. Uh, and you're going to trade me here. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't get fat and then say only trade me one place. That's not how this works. Trade me there. Okay, fine. <laughs> and that's how it works. In the NFL, not really. Right? Aaron Rodgers, the last two off seasons, has come to the brink of wanting to leave or asking to leave. If we believe Adam Schefter and what he said on draft day last year, he told the Packers he doesn't want to come back, doesn't wish to return to the team. Adam Schefter also tweeted in support of Deshaun Watson today, so... I don't really care what Adam Schefter says. But the Packers, if it was an NBA situation, if this was an NBA thing and Aaron Rodgers was a star NBA player, he would have been dealt. He would have been dealt exactly where he wanted to go. Compensation be damned. That doesn't matter. Because the Packers would have dealt him there. That's how the league works. But not in the NFL. I almost forgot what we were talking about, Jake. And I read your text. I was like, Eli Manning, what were we talking about? When did Eli Manning? Oh, the trading the quarterback thing. Yeah. That's right. I appreciate the text. 608-796-2558. We had Andy Herman on yesterday. Pack a day podcast. We had a lovely conversation. It was a great time. And I asked him about the 2020 draft. I said, Andy, we obviously talked about the Jordan Love pick and the Josiah DeGuar pick and the A.J. Dillon pick. This was a controversial draft when it happened. I remember looking at, I, I, okay, I remember where I was for draft weekend 2022. I went up north, northern Wisconsin. Went to the Brule. We're going to do some steelhead fishing. At that point, the steelhead run was basically done, so we were just fishing, fishing, and just boobing around in the Northwoods. And at that point, no sports were happening. There was nothing going on. So my boss is like, actually, can you just leave? We don't want you in the building. We don't want you doing your stupid sports show, so just go up north. Fine, go. So I remember, I was driving from La Crosse to Eau Claire slash Fall Creek. Had to stop at a buddy's house. And I remember being in my buddy's driveway in Fall Creek, and he was running in to get some things from the garage. And I was looking at my phone at the first three rounds, the first three picks the Packers had, and it was Jordan Love, and that obviously took place on Thursday, but then Friday was the second and the third round. And I'm like, okay, so they took a running back from Boston College, and they took an H-back I've never heard of? What the hell? Like, I, I don't have anything against Jordan Love. I have nothing against A.J. Dillon. I have nothing against Josiah DeGuara, but I remember very clearly being in my buddy's red Chrysler Sebring Parked in a driveway in Fall Creek, Wisconsin, looking at my phone and thinking, huh, this is kind of odd. Like, I, I get every draft is different, and drafts almost never go according to what fans think. Like, we do our mock drafts, and they never pan out to be right. But even as many drafts as I've watched and as many mock drafts as I've laughed off, I remember looking at my phone and thinking, huh, this is this is kind of bizarre. And we talked about the 2020 draft a lot. And, and I asked Andy yesterday, 
as we get farther and farther removed from that draft, two years down the road, next year will be three years down the road. How do we feel about it? Has our opinion changed? Do we like it more? Do we dislike it more, depending on what our original assessment was? And not just Jordan Love, but but all the other rounds, too. And Andy basically said yesterday, uh, good and bad, but we can't really judge it yet. It hasn't played out yet. Okay. I both strongly agree with what Andy said, and I also vehemently disagree, right? Like, remember the Kevin King, TJ Watt thing? Was that in 2017? I remember I was coming back from the Bucks raptors game in the Bradley Center. They just got eliminated. I was at McDonald's in DeForest. Why do I remember all these things? Very, like, like core memories with sports. I remember being at this McDonald's in DeForest and seeing that they traded out of the first round and they missed out on TJ Watt, right? And that night, we're all like, oh, man. And we were told by especially the biggest Packers fans. We're like, we got to see it play out. Got to watch it play out. Got to watch it play out. And now years later, it's played out. And if we try to bring it up, people are like, oh, you're still talking about it? No, I just started talking about it because I was told for years we had to wait. I've been waiting. Now it's time. And now we're not allowed to talk about it. So the draft discourse, it's like, well, you can't talk about it. We got to see a play out. Got to see a play out. And then by the time it plays out, we're criticized for talking about the draft because that was so long ago. So when I ask Andy about a draft from three years ago and his response is, well, we don't know yet. Well, yes and no. All right. You do need to see how a draft matures. Look at Devontae Adams. Look at Rashawn Gary. But also, and for some reason, Packers fans are more against this than any other fan base. You can have young players that can contribute right away. First, second year in the league. And they can help you win and win big. Rookies, second year guys. It can happen. It can happen. Right, And some organizations are really good at this. Some are not. The Packers move a little bit more slowly, and there's advantages and disadvantages to that, just like any other strategy. But smart organizations always look for edges. right? We're always looking for an edge here and there. Small advantages that are kind of off the, to the periphery or these small little things. Like the Ravens are an amazing example. Going for two when you should go for two. right? Or going for it on fourth down. At some point, John Harbaugh and, and the smart people in his front office basically said, what if we started going for it on fourth and short? We're going to convert it 80% of the time. Think of all the extra possessions and all the extra chances to score. So compare the Ravens, who are always finding extra possessions and extra scoring opportunities by using fourth down to their advantage. Compare that to the Seahawks. The Seahawks, with Russell Wilson as their quarterback, will punt the ball on the 45 on fourth and inches. Right? So the Seahawks disregarding a, a potential advantage, and the Ravens, finding that advantage at every turn. Another edge that I believe we don't talk about enough, teams that disregard or focus on getting contributions from young players, the utility of young players, that's an edge. That's an edge. If you can draft and build for the future while also finding ways to sneak help and sneak contribution from those young players, that's an edge. That's an edge. And I don't think it's an edge that the Packers are very good at. Let's look at the 2020 draft. So Jordan Love, who started one game, but it's a quarterback, so it's different, and I get that. So let's talk about A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara. They didn't have a fourth-round pick. The fifth round, they took Kamal Martin, who's not on the team. John Runyon, Simon Stepaniak, Vernon Scott, Jonathan Garvin. Now, I focus a little bit less on the late-round picks. I'm not going to scrutinize and and nitpick with a seventh-rounder. And I'm never going to argue with drafting a line or edge rushers. You just can't have enough. You cannot have enough of either position. 
So I'm never going to fault the Packers for drafting a line, especially with how good they are at it. And edge rushers are valuable as can be. But Kamal Martin, that eh, didn't work out. A.J. Dillon, a uh, good player. We all love him. He's a running back. Okay. Josiah DeGuara, not sure yet, but H back in the third round. That's that's interesting. I, I'm not saying this draft prevented them from making a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying. They had lots of chances, chances that they didn't maximize for whatever reason. Aaron Rodgers, the way he played, or some decisions by Matt LaFleur, or, or the defense just not being awake in San Francisco in 2019, whatever. They had great chances to make a Super Bowl. They did not execute. But maybe the Packers could have insulated themselves a little bit. Like one extra wide receiver, one extra corner, or one extra linebacker. If you stack talent, even if you don't need that extra talent, it just makes your margin for error just a bit bigger. Think of the Bengals. The Bengals had Tyler Boyd, had T. Higgins, T.J. Uzama, who they like. And they said, no, this guy's really good. Let's get Jamar Chase, too. And because of that depth, or that surplus at wide receiver, they were able to overcome a terrible offensive line, a middle-of-the-road defense, I think an average-at-best head coach. This is what I'm saying. Margin for error was bigger for the Bengals. And if you look at the 2020 draft, specifically at the wide receiver position, and in 2020, we were told this is the deepest wide receiver draft ever. There's more wide receivers in this draft than we've ever seen before. This was not some secret. And coming out of this draft, I almost remember thinking, and I think I probably said it on the show, it's like Goody went out of his way not to take a wide receiver in this draft. It's like he wanted to give a middle finger to the world. Like he could have taken one in the sixth round. He took Simon Stepaniak. Could have taken one in the seventh round. He took Vernon Scott. He took a safety, right? It's like he went out of his way to not take a wide receiver. I don't know. I don't know why. Let's consider some of the teams that have advanced past the Packers since this draft and been more successful in the playoffs. So the 49ers have beaten them twice, right? They've done it twice. They took Brandon Ayuk at 25. And you might think, Grant, but the Packers were picking at 30. Yes, I I agree. But then the Niners came back later in the draft. In the seventh round, they took Juwan Jennings. Week 18 against LA. They don't win that game without Juwan Jennings. He had six catches and two touchdowns. All over this draft, you look from the second round, the third, and beyond, there's guys everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. And the Packers at no point grabbed one. Just one, even in a lower round. Wouldn't have been the end of the world. 608-796-2558. Before we take our final break, let's talk to Mike in Eau Claire. Mike, what's going on? Welcome. Hey, good to hear you. Good to hear yeah, you. Yeah, I think the Packers are terrible at drafting. Mm-hmm. I, every year I watch the draft, and I'm just like, I watch Bill Belichick and not just him, but other, some of the other teams make really good draft choices. And I'm just, it's like they, they got luck. Imagine if the 49ers took Rodgers and we got Alex Smith instead of Rodgers. How dumb would we look? Nothing against Alex Smith, great quarterback, but obviously not Rodgers. Yeah. I know so, you're getting close to a break. I'll let you go, no, man. No, no, but, or, no, no, no. Well, one second before you go, if you got a sec. So when you say they're terrible at drafting, what do you mean by yep. that? Because we like Rashawn Gary. We like Jair. Like, they can hit some picks. So what part of their drafting don't you like exactly? Like, be a little bit more specific before I let you go because I want to know. They do hit They do hit some picks. But I, it just sticks with me all the, like, we could have had uh, Justin Jefferson in the high heavy receiver draft. You know, we there's so many good players that went by. All right. 
Right. Uh, it's hard for me to pick a specific example. No, that's no, that's fine. I, I think. But just every I've been watching for twenty years of the draft, and yeah, and just always end up feeling, eh, you yeah. know, not extremely disappointed, but just like, eh. All right. All right. Okay, we'll see what we got. Yeah, all right, that makes sense. Thank you. I, I needed that, Mike. Have a good weekend, man, and enjoy the Badger game if you're watching. I'm trying yep, to watch it in the corner. Yeah, you have a too. good I'll find it. Yep. Heck, yeah, that's, uh, that's Mike and Eau Claire. I appreciate the call. I, I know what you're talking about, Mike. I think I can help you put this into words. The Packers are excellent at the high-ceiling, unheralded guy, Jair. We were all with that pick. We're like, who? What? Why? Right? Or when they took Rashawn Gary. Like, ah, oh, that's kind of an outside-the-box pick. The Packers almost never do the obvious thing. They're really bad at doing the obvious thing. It's, it's very weird. They'll they'll take the most roundabout way to get a really good player, but they could have had Derwin James, and they said no. And I think they probably made the right decision with Jair, but everyone in the room was saying, take Derwin James, it's the can't-miss thing. Take T.J. Watt, it's the can't-miss thing. Right? Take a wide receiver in 2020, just take T. Higgins, it's a can't-miss thing. And in some instances, they erred. In some instances, they were right. I just... I think it's so interesting that the Packers, the picks that they nail are the sneaky ones, the creative ones, the outside-the-box ones. It's never the obvious picks that they nail. It's bizarre. And I think, Mike, that's maybe what you're talking about. We'll talk more about this for a couple minutes. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. This week has been nuts. I don't even remember. What did we talk about yesterday or the day before? It's been a constant stream of breaking news. Kind of came to a head yesterday with baseball coming back, or I thought it came to a head, and then today Deshaun Watson's name has been cleared. Quote, unquote. Something in our society that's it's tough. I remember with the, with the Aziz Ansari story. Remember that? When he got caught up in, I don't remember exactly what he did, in being just kind of pervy. And we were wondering, okay, so is he a criminal or is he just really pervy and does he just make people uncomfortable, right? And I, like, maybe that's the question with Deshaun Watson. There's so many complaints about him. And he's not going to face any legal charges. And I'm not saying he should or shouldn't. It's tough and it's really difficult in this day and age. And we need to... I think do a good a job as possible discerning, okay, did this person break a law or are they just an awful person? And are they just really creepy and really pervy and just not a good person, right? Now, sometimes creepy, bad people also break the law, um, but it's not a Venn diagram. It's not a Venn diagram that runs together, right? He's going to play football again. I would prefer not to talk about it anymore. So I don't know. We'll probably have to talk about when he gets traded, which might happen very soon. The Seahawks, I guess, are really hot and bothered by him. Eagles might want him. They got a lot of draft picks. Miami, I guess Stephen Ross, the owner, really wants him. So, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Carolina and David Tepper, but what do they have to trade? I don't know. Go back to where Clemson is? I don't know. Kind of gross. I, we were kind of able to just forget about him for a while, which was nice. Not really an option anymore. So, Deshaun Watson is back. At least Adam Schefter handled it with grace and aplomb today. <laughs> That was the funniest joke I've had on the show in a while. Wow. Comedy, 10 out of 10 from me today. Well done. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Let's enjoy the rest of the Badger game, the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Come back to talk about it next Monday. I can't wait. Have an awesome weekend. Talk to you Monday starting at 4.